And they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. He speaks to you who proclaims the gospel. Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs> Jesus is God. And when he speaks, Jesus only utters truths that are eternal. Everything Jesus says is applied now and then and always. Now the parable we have today is one that was found in Scripture after the triumphal entry of Christ. There's a long section in both Matthew and in Luke where there are a bunch of parables that are essentially told against the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish nation, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these parables foretell what's going to happen. Some of them refer to his resurrection, his upcoming passion. Now this particular story, there's a householder, there is a a landowner who plants a vineyard and sets a hedge around it and digs a wine press in it and builds a tower. And at the due season, he comes for his fruit. He doesn't come demanding the fruit. In fact, we, we read in the Gospel of Luke that he says that he comes for some fruit. So he sends his servants, as might be expected, to the tenants of the the vineyard to receive some fruit, some of their rent, supposedly. And they do horrible things. They beat the servants. They've been set up perfectly with everything they need. They've got jobs, they've got a home, they've got a tower. And yet, when the landowner sends... His servants, they beat them. He tries again. And finally, having had his servants beaten, he says to himself, I will send my son. They will definitely respect him. And I will receive the fruits that I am due. Now, the message of this, at first is most obvious and clear, is that the vineyard 
is the people of Israel. They have been set up. They have been planted as a vineyard in the Holy Land, in the Promised Land. They've been given a tower, the temple. They've been given a hedge around them, that is the law, so that they would be set apart to know God and be the people of God. And it would seem to the Jews that somehow God had departed because He had no, He was no longer with them as He had been with them um, when He was guiding them through in a pil- pillar of fire in the wilderness. So the Jews, we know what happens. They reject God. They reject a relationship with Him in favor of a law, in obeying the letter, and they lose the heart. And their hearts are far from God. And so we see that God sends His Son in the fullness of time to the Jewish nation, expecting and hoping that they will receive Him. And they do not. And instead, as we know, they cast him out of the vineyard, out of the garden, and they kill him. And this metaphor is beginning to sink into them, and he realizes that the, the tenants realize that it spoke against them. The Sadducees and the Pharisees realize that it has spoke against them. The very next verse. At the end of this, it's not in the reading today. It says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing the fruits of it. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard this, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Now, for us, we look at this gospel and we see the goodness and the patience of God. He continually reaches out to His people. He sends His own Son to redeem them, to make them His own again. And all He asks from them is the fruit of righteousness. Instead, they kill His Son. So He's going to give that vineyard to another set of tenants. And of course, those set of tenants are us. That is us, the church. And instead of concentrating on the answer given to them by the Pharisees, that he was going to put them to a miserable death and to a horrid end, instead he concentrates and says, No, did you not hear that the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? He's going to build a much better vineyard. We will be the branches, and He Himself will be the vine, as Jesus says in St. John, chapter 15. We are the ones who are the inheritors of this vineyard. We have been set a hedge around us, that is, the lives and the witnesses of the saints and the apostles, and a tower has been set in our midst. He's given us also everything that is needed to bear fruit unto salvation. He's given us our baptism, has filled us with grace. He has prismated us and given us His Holy Spirit. He has placed us in His temple, in His church and has poured out His love over and over again and 
given us the sacrifice of himself that we partake of in every liturgy. We have everything that we possibly need. He expects us then to bear fruit. And then what is that fruit? Well, we read often that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, but the first and greatest is love. And all of the other fruits of the Spirit proceed from love. When Jesus was raised from the dead, his, one of his closest apostles, Peter, had denied him three times. And he appears to the twelve and is, has breakfast with them, sitting on the beach after they were fishing that morning. And he looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus looks at him again and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. A third time Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Now Peter is grieved because a third time he said, Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. Yes, I love you. Now, he asks us the same thing. He doesn't ask Peter or us, Do you love me? To shame him, but to restore him. To show them what he must do. And at the end he says, Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Now, each day, in our whole lives, Jesus asks us for the fruit of what he has planted in us. We are the vi- he is the vine and we are the branches. And unless we abide in him, we bear no fruit. And Jesus comes to us to see the fruit of what he has planted in us and says to us, Do you love me? And we would all like to say, Yes, Lord, of course. You know that I love you. But to say that, the words might stick in our throat a bit. Because we know that we have not loved God as we ought to have loved him. We have not borne the fruit that we ought to have. We want to love Jesus. We do love Jesus, but we love so many other things that also compete. And so therefore the fruit in our lives is is small and maybe a little pitiful. And yet Jesus asks us over and over again, Do you love me? When the prodigal son came home in repentance... The father didn't say, well, that was kind of tough, but you kind of deserved it. He only saw the love of his son and restored him fully. When the Lord asks us, do you love me? And we honestly say that perhaps we do not love you as we ought. He doesn't do this to shame us, but to restore us. He does does this to show us the way. To show us the way to Him and to to reveal our own hearts. Jesus asks us again and again, like He did to Peter, Do you love me? And He says, "Then, Then obey my commandments, for they are not burdensome. 
He calls us by name. Do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord. And He says, then then follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And I will be with you. Do you love me? Jesus says to us again and again. He says, know me. Abide in me and give me your heart. Jesus asks us over and over, do you love me? He says to us, then confess your sins to me and I will heal you. Do you love me? Jesus says to us. Then care for the poor. Visit the sick. Visit those in prison. Do good to those around you. You will always have them with you. And that is why. Jesus asks again and again, Do you love me? Then love your neighbor as yourself. And love even your enemies. We've been given a very short to-do list. It is to love God above all and to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the fruit that we offer to our Lord, the fruit that will result in our salvation. Do you love me? Jesus says to us. Then forgive each other from your hearts. St. Herman of Alaska once was speaking to some naval officers. And this question came up. Of, do we love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? And the officers all said, well, of course. Of course we love the Lord. Of course. And St. Herman's reply was this. And I, a sinner, have been trying to love the Lord God for more than 40 years. And I cannot say that I perfectly love Him. If we love someone, we always remember Him and try to please Him. Day and night our heart is occupied with that person. Is that how you love God? Do you turn to Him often? Do you always remember Him? Do you always pray to Him and fulfill His holy commandments? For our good and for our happiness, at least let us make a vow from this day, from this hour and from this minute, that we shall strive to love God above all else and to fulfill His holy will. It would seem that our God has given us much to do. But it begins with our hearts. The fruit that the landowner, that our God wants from us, is the fruit of a heart of love. And everything we do in our life should be to cultivate that love so that when our Lord, at the end, who will not recount our sins and tell us all of our failings, but we will stand before Him and He will say to us, Do you love me? And we will be able to say to Him, Yes, Lord, You know that I love You. I love You because of what You did for me on the cross and of all of the good that You worked into my life. And that You are the one who has given us this fruit of love to offer back to You. Amen.